0: Welcome to EHS on Tap. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, Editor-in-Chief of EHS Daily Advisor. This week, I talked to Megan Walters, Vice President of Compliance and Customer Success at NCAMP, about the challenges that women face in EHS. And now, on to the interview. I'm joined today by Megan Walters, VP of Compliance and Customer Success at NCAMP. Welcome, Megan.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for joining me. And I uh, wanted to get started by telling me a little bit about yourself and what you do at NCAMP.
1: Sure. So I'm Megan Walters. I'm the VP of Compliance and Customer Success at NCAMP. I've been here a little over three years, and I've been in the space um, a little more than uh, 10 years. Um, So I run the Compliance, Customer Success, and the Technical Solutions teams at NCAMP. Compliance, we do the uh, product R&D and uh, research um, and internal and external enablement um, for our customers and internal customers. Um, our customer success team onboards our customers, does the enablement, and then also fulfills our customers' reporting obligations. And then our technical solutions team—they um, establish the data pipelines, demonstrate how our product can provide value to our prospects. And then a little bit about EndCamp: uh, We are a environmental compliance software, so we partner with Fortune 500 companies to automate tier two reporting hazardous waste reporting, and other environmental compliance reporting. So we consider ourselves a one-stop shop for reporting, um, environmental reporting. So we handle the mailing to fire departments, state agencies, local emergency planning committees, and pay the filing fees associated with all of that reporting. Um, And one cool thing that uh, we're all excited about doing is we plant a tree with every report that we file. So we've planted over 18,000 trees Um, And so kind of the mission behind the entire company is to create a world where good for business equal good for the
0: environment. Very cool. Um, I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about how you got into the uh, EHS field and what sort of sparked your interest.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, So. This is kind of coming fresh off. Um, I was at a uh, panel interview about two weeks ago and I got asked the same question and same kind of response. And and I heard this kind of throughout the room is you kind of fall into EHS and it's it's a similar thing. You you don't necessarily fall into this role on purpose. Um, And so I I got into environmental science to really Save the whales, save the trees, save the environment. Um, and I, I started taking these courses in college about hazardous waste, and and I really liked the the regulations and and breaking those down into layman's terms and and understanding all of that. And so um, I thought, you know, going through this hazardous waste course, I'm like, I'm not I'm not going to go into anything that I need to know anything about this. Um, but when I graduated college, the the job market was pretty pretty awful. It was really hard to find a job. Um, but I landed a, a job at a hazardous waste treatment facility. So shot myself in the foot with that one and really <laughs> actually needed to know everything I learned in that course. So I'm glad I didn't end up throwing that book a lot, uh, uh, away after that course, I actually kept on to it and I still have it today. So, um, I landed that job and it was a really solid company to really start my career. Um, and I learned a lot there. Um, I thought I had like learned everything I needed to know about hazardous waste. Of course, I didn't because I learned kind of just a little bit about kind of the generator side and the um, the treatment side, but I wanted to learn more about different media. Um, and so I continued on from there um, to further my career.
0: Excellent. Um, so I just wanted to ask you, how challenging is it to be a woman in EHS?
1: Sure. So, um, I'd say it was, it was pretty challenging, I think in the beginning. Um, and I'd say it was more challenging then because I couldn't really tell the difference between was I not taking, was I, um, not being taken seriously because I was a woman or was I too young? And so I was having a hard time, um, you know, not getting a a whole ton of respect because I was really having to prove myself, um, and work a lot harder because I I did have to prove myself because I I was younger. I was a woman and I was in a a male dominated field. And so I was taking out a lot of extra work um, and a lot of like menial admin work. And so I found that to be a lot challenging, um, a lot more challenging um, than uh, where I am today. Um, And what I noticed is I was picking up kind of like Office work that you know wasn't necessarily in my job description. I mean, I was finding that I was passed up for more promotions too. Um, but fortunately, you know, today I, I work in a remote job, which has been really, really nice, and that's changed a lot for me. Um, but I did find, I found a really interesting statistic really preparing for this, um, that the pay gap in STEM for for women is 74% um, of women make that the uh, 74% of they make of of what men make, and then in the STEM market versus 80% in the general labor market. So I found that really interesting. So we've still got a ways to go. It is improving, but um, all that to say is it's challenging, um, but I think it is it is improving.
0: Well, that's good. Um, so if you could tell me a little bit about your experiences as, as a female leader in STEM.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, early as a leader, I would say, I. I definitely lacked the confidence. I, I don't think anyone really sends you through like a leadership boot camp, um, to really learn how to become a leader. Um, I, at least I haven't found one of those courses yet. Uh, maybe they do exist, but, um, so I kind of got thrown into it. And so early on as, as I, um, became a leader, I, I, Tended to shy away from taking credit for my ideas. And I think it's something women kind of tend to do just naturally. I think growing up and going through school, you're, you're kind of told to be humble and not so boastful about your, your ideas and And just your personality. And so I'm trying to unlearn that and really take credit when I do have a good idea. Um, and so I think in the past two years um, being a director and being a VP, which, which is where I am now. Um, I've really tried to, um, build confidence there and, and really own any idea that I do have. And so speaking loudly and taking up space, um, and saying, Hey, I do have a good idea and I'd really like you to, to listen to this and and take me seriously. So lately I've been really testing the waters there. And on top of that, um, I've really been giving credit where credit is due. So I've been fortunate in that I have four amazing, talented people under me that help support me um, and the team that I run. And anytime that they come with come to me with an idea, um, I'm always saying, hey, you know, Jackie, Julie, Sam, Katie, they just came to me with an amazing idea, whether it's they've come to me asynchronous, um, or it's in a meeting, I'm always backing them up and making sure that they're giving credit, because I want to make sure, you know, people are, are backing each other up and, and giving, their, giving their credit where credit is due, because I think it, it makes it, makes it all, all better when people are being, um, they've got their champions, because people have done that for me in the past, and I'm making sure it kind of gets passed passed along and paid forward so that's definitely important I think another experience um, another thing I'd like to kind of like talk about as far as an experience as a female leader is um, kind of this whole notion of imposter syndrome which I think a lot of people are talking about nowadays Um, and I I found this really interesting Adam Grant who's an organizational psychologist um, i I find his he, he posts a lot on Instagram I follow him he's really really interesting um, he posted something like, um, I think it was a couple of weeks ago that said, he said, questioning your abilities doesn't mean you have imposter syndrome. Um, it's a normal response to a new challenge. And I thought that was really interesting because, you know, I'm constantly being thrown into something new, just being kind of in a startup in leadership. It's something always is being thrown like on a day-to-day basis. I'm always being thrown something new. And so when I, I'm, I'm, being tasked with something I have no idea what to do with a constant kind of like thought in my head is like, I don't know how to do this. Um, and it's kind of easy to beat yourself up and just say, kind of throw up your hands and say, you know, this is impossible. Um, I'm just, I can't do this. Um, and kind of beat yourself up from there. Um, whereas I, I really kind of have to remember this and say, you know, it's because I haven't done it before and really kind of break down that problem from there and say, just because you haven't done it before, doesn't mean you can't do it. Let's break down this problem. And let's try to tackle it and kind of put that tool in your toolbox for your future so that you can do it from kind of there on out. Um, So it's just kind of reminding yourself that you have something to learn um, and it's kind of humbling, too. So I like to remember that. And then uh, I kind of the third thing I would say is um, kind of my entire experience has not all been negative. Um, I've had several champions and I've been really thankful for that um, and fortunate. for instance, my boss, um who's a man, has um promoted me from our first senior environmental scientist hire all the way to VP, which has been amazing. Um he saw a lot of um potential in me at our previous position where I worked at a consulting firm and he he brought me over to Incamp and has moved me all the way to VP and you know I've never been a VP before, but he he kind of he sees um the potential in me as, and has continued to move me up, so Um, and I've had previous people at other companies that have really seen potential in me and always had been, had my back and, you know, passed my name to recruiters. And I've found a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, success that way too. So I, I owe a lot to people who have been in my network and I, I can't say thanks enough for that.
0: Um, you mentioned earlier sort of the need to kind of be more vocal, you know, about your ideas and your input. Um are you, are you seeing men becoming more receptive to women doing that now than they maybe used to be?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, I think it, it, it also depends kind of like how it's delivered too. Um, cause that's, that's a, an important part of it as well. Um, you know, I, I'm pretty tactful in the way I do deliver it. Um, and I think if it's not so much in your face, uh, I think everyone receives it really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it just kind of like it's all about the delivery is what I find, um, and, th- and that's helped.
0: Um, how can women empower women in EHS?
1: yeah definitely um I love this question um, mentorship is kind of a, a big one for me um I've got I would say three mentors two informal and one formal um two that are in the customer success space and then one that's in I would say in the company um she probably doesn't even know she's a mentor of mine but I hit her up all the time because she's amazing um, our CFO Heather if you're listening um she's she's a genius um I really like just pinging her and just asking her questions on how she would kind of go through this problem and, and just ask her. So if you have the the capacity and the bandwidth to uh, mentor women, I highly recommend doing that because you may think to yourself, I can't mentor anyone. You know, I'm 20 something, I'm 30 something, I'm 40 something, you know, someone still may benefit from your advice, even if it's just bouncing an idea off of someone. So I highly recommend um, opening up and, and seeing if um, you could really help someone out and be a mentor. So um, that's one way. And then I would also say invest in peer networks. So like I mentioned earlier, I came off of um, two weeks ago this uh, National Association of Environmental Management, the Women Lead Summit. Um, there were hundreds of women there. Um, and so we really got to talk about just the the opportunities that we're facing, problems we're facing um in the remote world just leadership issues all sorts of things and so find networks like that where you can just talk to your peers um, and find um opportunities to connect with other women and they actually set up a lot of uh, mentorship opportunities there while um while i was there too so that was really cool um and then this is kind of along the lines of mentorship but sponsor someone at your company or get a sponsor at your company Um, So, like I mentioned, like Heather is at our company. I I go to her for questions. Um, And then I also have um, people that report to me that I I rely on to ask questions. You know, they check me as well. Um, I advocate for them. They advocate for me. So just make sure, like, find women in your company that you can really kind of lean on, too. And um, I would also say give back to your roots. So I graduated from Purdue. Um, and they have a pretty small natural resources and environmental science program um, that I graduated in. But um, I talked to one of their classes last year, or maybe it was two years ago, um, where they have like a, a um, just a class where they say like, hey, you graduated in RES. Mm-hmm. What are you doing with your degree? So you can go back and say, like, here's what I'm doing with my degree. Um, and here's kind of the options that you can do know, with this sort of degree and, and give back. And so I did that um, a couple of years ago and I plan to do that again. So those are a couple um, options I think that women can do.
0: Um, do you feel like certainly for like EHS that it's it's a kind of career that, um, you know, a lot of folks don't necessarily, you know, I think you kind of mentioned it earlier that you kind of fell into it. You know, people don't necessarily, you know, when they're in college say, oh, I want to get into EHS. Um, You know, by doing those sort of, um, you know, alumni things where you kind of talk to students and kind of let them know, uh, you know, hey, these are some options out here. Do you feel that that's kind of, you know, opening some eyes to, to, you know, students who, prospective uh, employees who maybe didn't realize that this was something they could do?
1: Definitely. Yeah. I had no idea this was even a career path until I talked to someone um, when I was interning at a pharmaceutical company and I was interning in like their desktop support area. Mm -hmm. So like nothing related to environmental health and science until I went and talked to this guy and he was like, yeah, I do EHS. I'm like, what, what is that? I have never even heard of it. So absolutely. Because I think um, the program that I graduated in, most of the kids go into like soil sampling or they go remediate soils or they go help with like oil spills or consulting it's not something that they really advertise um and it's it's not at least a program that i had heard of um so i think it, it is something that i think we can do a better job of advertising and kind of going back to colleges and say like this is a career path you can go into and i think we could definitely yeah do a better job of doing that so it could it could definitely help with that.
0: And you know, along those lines, you know, getting more women into EHS, you know, you know, how can that happen and what needs to sort of improve, uh, you know, as sort of we move forward in the industry.
1: Yeah, um and I think this kind of goes into like giving advice to younger women too and and giving them kind of a a, a path into that um that space and yeah, a couple of different um, things I wish I had kind of given myself advice of um, when I was younger um, and, and wish I had known kind of the tools of the trade um, is, I think getting outside of your comfort zone is one area where I really wish I would have pushed myself. Um, I think um, when I was younger, I was really kind of sticking to what I knew. Um, and I think I really w- wish I had gone to more networking events. Um, I, I really just kind of stuck to my, my nine to five and went home mm-hmm. where there were a lot of avenues where I could have networked and really met some peers. Like there were some young professional events in my city that I probably could have met and learned a little bit more about what was going on in the city, but also about, I mean, I had no idea tech even existed until I got into the startup scene and, and cause tech isn't, isn't really anything. EHS is really touched. Mm-hmm. Um, And so learning about that really opened up my eyes about what else is in the world. Um, And then just like events, like the the thing I mentioned about the women lead, like knowing that that even existed was, was super useful. So getting out of your comfort zone and and networking with people is, is huge. And I think uh, women could really benefit from that. Um, And another thing is just, you know, being authentic. Um, I feel like we really, when you first start out your career, you almost have to like, Take on a different personality and improve yourself, but don't don't fall into that trap. Um, stick to your guns and, and be authentic, um, and, and stick to your true self. Um, like I said, find a mentor, um, do some monthly check ins, weekly lunches, um, and then something I really really need to work on is celebrate wins. I posted something uh, earlier, I think um, last week about how I. I am such a goal oriented person that I'm like, on to the next goal. Like, what's my next goal? And I never sit down and really celebrate when I do achieve something, that it's like, I don't actually get that full, like, celebratory, like, <laughs> successful win feeling. It's just like, on to the next one. So I really do need to sit down and, like, take a moment, celebrate it. Um, and so make sure you do that because it, you just kind of like move on to the next one and you never get that full satisfaction feeling. So do that. And then my last piece of advice for I think young women, um, and I found this statistic, but I can't remember the actual numbers, but I I learned about this in my actual consulting career um, in my last job is women don't apply for jobs that they don't think they're a hundred percent qualified for, which I found fascinating, but it makes sense. But like men, if I think they, Think they're like 60 or 40 40 to 60 percent qualified for they'll apply for it i'm like that tracks um so like <laughs> apply for the job even if you don't think you're qualified for it. just apply for it. who knows like i see when uh men and women apply for jobs all the time that we we post and i'm like you're not qualified but you have a really interesting background so let me like move you over to this like um other job posting that you may you know be a better fit for so you who knows what comes out of it? Just apply for it. and You never know what may happen. It, you know, if it's a company that you're interested in working for, you know, it, it may be worth it. So go for it.
0: And it can be informational too, right? It can sort of help you, you know, kind of understand more about that job or maybe about, like you said, other jobs, you know, that, that maybe you're better suited for.
1: Exactly. Yes.
0: Um, and how important are internships? I mean, you know, you mentioned that you've done them and and, you know, just in terms of, you know, getting a feel for the career and and for a particular workplace. I mean, how important do you think those are for, you know, sort of folks getting into, uh, you know, the industry? Yeah.
1: um, Internships are interesting. Uh, The two internships that I had um, in my college career were somewhat not in the EHS field. I mentioned one Mm -hmm. was in desktop support. Um, the other one was in more like landscape architecture. So not in EHS whatsoever, mm-hmm. but, um, I learned what I was not interested in. So right. that was super helpful. That's valuable. But I also learned about, exactly. And it was also valuable in knowing like how, uh, like companies and organizations work because that's not something you learn in college. Um, you don't learn how to type up a professional email in college, I guess, maybe unless you're, you're doing like i don't know writing 101 but no one teaches you how to write a professional email really um and just like knowing like organizational etiquette like it's just something you kind of have to pick up just being at a big company and so that's something that i thought was really valuable just knowing like the terms of the trade too like payroll and i don't know just random things that you're like oh this is just all new to me um and knowing like when you can take a lunch break when all these just random things that you've coming from college and going into like real world it's it's a valuable experience. So if you have the opportunity to take an internship even if it's not in your field you should 100% do it. I did one that was paid and one that was unpaid and I would say if you can't get paid still do it if you can afford to do it it's still a 100% valuable experience uh, regardless, yeah.
0: And it can lead to you getting paid if they hire you. So
1: Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Definitely.
0: Um, how do you see the industry changing over the next decade or so, both for women and just in general?
1: Um, I'm seeing a lot of improvement, um, and a lot of a lot of improvement. So more women are getting in the STEM field. I've seen that. I think the percentages are going up, which is really exciting. I've seen more and more women get into leadership, um, which is really exciting, and then. Now that I'm in tech, um, I've seen a u- unique perspective too, um, where I've seen more and more women get into that. Um, I, the, the conference that I was just at, uh, I was listening to this, this woman speak. Um, I think she's out of California where they just passed a bill. Um, I think this was last year or, or two years ago where they actually, it was Senate bill 826 the first state in the nation to require a female director on the board. No. If their executive offices are located in California, um, the law was actually overturned. Um, but by 2021, 99% of the companies had at least one board member. That was a woman, which was a jump from 13%. So it was wow. an obvious success, but I'm like, that's amazing. So um, we just need to keep doing things like that. Um, because the more, the more women, the more diversity you have on the board, the more success your company is going to see the, the better your company's gonna do. I, we've seen that with InCamp, we've seen that with other companies. So um, it's gonna improve overall, I think. Um, I just hope that with you know the, the move to remote, I hope that's gonna help with just kind of the, the more, um, you know more women have to take on, I think with remote work, I hope that will continue to improve as well.
0: Well, Megan, I wanna thank you so much for joining me today. This has been great.
1: Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me.
0: All right. That wraps up episode 121 of EHS On Tap. You can find more information about the show and listen to on-demand episodes at ehsdailyadvisor.blr.com. You can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Google Play, iTunes, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join me next time.